Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about our newest partner, BetterHelp. Throughout my own grieving process, I have found therapy to be critical in getting me to the point where I am today, and I truly cannot imagine getting through this past year without it. Uh, a lot of the world is still in some sort of quarantine or phased opening, and BetterHelp is a perfect platform for accessing therapy during this time because you can do it from wherever you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist, and you can have your first session scheduled in as little as 24 hours, which is huge. I know for a lot of people, you hit a roadblock in starting therapy because there's a pressure to really find the right fit. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. It's really easy to change a counselor if you feel like you want a better fit. The therapist you're matched with is available weekly, but you can send messages anytime through the app and get responses between sessions, which makes such a big difference, especially when you are processing a loss. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and they also have financial aid available, which I love and is one of the reasons that I decided to partner with them. We have a special offer for the Grief Coach listeners where you'll get 10% off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash thegriefcoach. That's T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash The Grief Coach. You can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Investing in yourself is so important. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know how much I prioritize doing the work to get through the grief process and BetterHelp is a wonderful platform to leverage to do so. Go to trybetterhelp.com slash thegriefcoach to get started. Hi everyone, this is Brooke James. Welcome to The Grief Coach. If it is your first time listening, I'm so glad you're here. And if you've listened before, welcome back. Today we have with us Ashling Boyd. Ashling, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much, Brooke. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your podcast today. Yeah, so do you wanna tell the audience a little bit more about you? What do you do? What's your story? And we'll go from there. Yes, absolutely. So a little bit about myself. I am from Canada. I originally was born and raised in Ontario, close to Toronto. And the reason why I was put or I, I got involved in talking to you about grief is because it has become a big part of my life over the last three years after losing my dad to a workplace fatality. So wanted to connect with you because I feel like a lot of the topics that you've highlighted have been very prevalent to what I'm going through. But I think one key topic is about talking about workplace fatality because a lot of people are not talking about it or not enough. Mm -hmm. And so my story started in May of 2017. At that point, I actually don't don't live in Ontario anymore. I live in Alberta. So it's about four four hour flight. But I'm fortunate that I was always going home to see my family um, just because of the work that I do brings me back to Toronto often. So this weekend was no different. And I'm an older brother and sister, so I'm definitely the baby of the family and had a very close relationship with my dad. So that weekend, I typically would fly in early, hang out with my family, and then attend my work events, and that be the week. 
So I flew in early. Of course, my dad and I had arrangements to do a ton of things, which we all accomplished. And then Tuesday, my entire life had changed forever. So my dad was an owner and operator of a landscaping company. He had just celebrated 39 years prior to his incident. I had gone to work that Tuesday morning. And as I walked out of our intro uh, session, I received a call from my brother saying my dad had been in an incident and that I had to get to the hospital immediately. I didn't know what exactly had happened, but I just had the worst gut feeling and was absolutely terrified to know that something had happened to my father. So when I got to the hospital, I found out that he was in a coma and on life support. And that resulted because he was working on his job site. He was harnessed and anchored in on a steep embankment, but he had pivot to say something to an employee and ended up actually his two anchor points failed on him. He rolled down the hill bank, hit his head off of the brick wall, ended up in the window well, got himself out, but he collapsed immediately. My dad had head trauma. And so by the time he got to the hospital, he slipped into a coma. So they wanted to proceed with an operation, which of course they had to consult us with. We were at the point where we wanted them to do anything to save him. There was a blockage that was caused around his brain. So as they tried to move in from surgery, his organs started to shut down. So we were reconvened saying that we have to expect the worst, that my dad may not make it because they can't proceed with the operation. So we waited a few hours and reflecting on it. My dad was a pretty positive, optimistic man. He was an entrepreneur. He had accomplished so much in 39 years, but he was one of those men where he's like, my, if my time comes, that's it. Like if I'm on life support, you pull the plug. So then we were reconvened again with the doctor. And then the doctor said, he's not making improvements. And we don't feel like your father's going to make it. Do you want to pull the plug or wait another 12 hours? And I just said, we're waiting another 12 hours. Like he'll be a miracle. We've had a lot of miracles in our family. My dad was pretty faithful and knew he would be pissed at my situation, but I could give two shifts. <laughs> I was like, being the man that he was, I was like, yeah, I'm totally going against your wishes. But I was just obviously as optimistic as I could be in that stage that he would pull through. Unfortunately, with that 12 hours, they did wait the full 12 hours. So they were very respectful. And I have to give kudos to the nurses and the doctors. They were absolutely amazing. But he did pass within the 12 hours and he had just, he had left us. So from that experience, obviously, that was super traumatic. Um, I went from spending all weekends to my dad, him being super healthy, super active, just he loved life. And then I watched my dad die in front of me. And so after obviously trying to understand grief, and I can't even tell you how many times I Googled the word numb, because I mean, I've lost grandparents, which is kind of what's expected um, in your life. And yes, you're expected to in some time lose your parents, but not that. They should not be going to work and not returning home. And that's exactly what happened to my dad. And so from there, I said, well, I got to do something. My dad always taught us we got to turn our challenges and our struggles into something. He was a very big advocate for that. So I'm like, well, I can't waste all of his investments that he's given me in life. And he's given me a lot. I got to do something in order to help someone else not go through this. So I had... I'm already in the safety space. That's actually what I do for work. I uh, work for a safety manufacturing company and that's kind of evolved over the last three years. Um, but I started advocating for it. And more and more as I got in tune in that little community, I started learning about other people's stories and realizing that the statistic is in Canada, that three families are going to get a phone call every day that, that their loved one's not returning home. That's three families a day. That adds up every From single day. Fatality. From work, fatality. Yeah. It wow. could be a workplace incident. Fatalities are definitely ranked up high. But when we look at workplace incidents, that's 
either a life-altering disease or an injury or a fatality. Yeah. And so again, for me, it was kind of shocker. I'm like, there's a lot of bad things out there in the world that we can't control from different diseases. But why is workplace safety not one of them? I know a lot of companies have obviously tried to elevate and increase the conversation about a safer culture within their um, organization. But still, these instances are, are happening every single day. And so from there, I've created my own brand, been networking and obviously kind of growing that community and elevating the conversation because my dad always had this he had many things, but one of the things was the next generation should be better than the one before. And my motto for my brand, which is called CB Safety, is the next generation should be safer than the one before. So that's where I wanted to kind of connect with you on the grief topic itself, but loop in in terms of the importance of how did I get into this stage? How did I start grieving? And it all resulted from a workplace fatality that took my dad away from our family. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. I can't imagine, and it's so many people's worst nightmare is to get that call and something that I've talked about on the podcast and then just with friends is what's the difference between an expected and a sudden death because if it's expected like my dad's was I could prepare and you kind of start pre-grieving and you know it's happening and I think there's pros and cons to both having that surprise I can't imagine so you had made a comment about you had spoken with your dad and you knew that he wanted to pull the plug um, and didn't want to be on life support. My dad was the same. He was like, if I'm a vegetable, we're not doing this. And I think that's part of the reason his decline was so rapid. But can you talk about a little bit how that conversation went? Because we both had, before we found my dad's end of life paperwork, had an conversation with the hospice nurses about potentially putting him on a medication that would help with an infection, but it might prolong his life like a day or two, which he ultimately didn't want. So having to have that conversation, but you had a much more high stakes conversation because of the immediacy of what was going on in the hospital. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that was like? Yeah, it was interesting once the conversation started coming up and the decisions that we had made, how we didn't really struggle with the answers. We didn't have a structured family meeting over the years being like, this is how it is. Like my mom has talked about, she wanted to be cremated. And my dad was like, whatever your mom wants, I'll be. He was so like slack about it, but he was all about live life to the fullest. Live life. He was so adamant about it. And he would make odd comments about, I'm not going to live old. We got to live life to the fullest. And I'm like, why do you say that? And like this random comments that all of us obviously kind of stuck and like, making the comment about like, just pull the plug. Like, don't want to be the vegetable thing like your father. So it's kind of, even though he wasn't fully structured, in the family was like, this is exactly how it was. Over so many years, he actually did tell us. And we mm-hmm. obviously all listened. And But he was just such a blunt human being. And he wasn't over the top that even my mom, she was a rock star. I thought this would completely shatter her. And she knew exactly what he would want at the funeral. And I'm like, have you had these conversations? She's like, I just know your father. I just know what you want. And so in that regard, it was good that we didn't have any regrets. But as we, as you know, there's a lot of paperwork when one person dies. But when you have a company on top of that that he owns, oh my gosh. So I was kind of fortunate I didn't get embedded into it because legally I can't because I live in a different province. But he had a small organization. It was very successful though. So my brother took over and my sister's the secretary. And then you're realizing all these legal things because it was a matter of do we continue the business even though he was a father where He said, I'm not making this business for my children to take over. If you guys have the passion, perfect. We'll talk about it. But if you don't have the passion, he's like, that is not what I'm forcing you to do. I'm supporting you with your own avenue. He's just an awesome 
father in that sense. So it was great. There was no pressure, but my brother did took it upon himself. So then when we got into the business side, that's where things became complicated. But then we were obviously given his life insurance and we realized at the age of 26, my dad had put everything together. Like he literally had landed financials should the worst thing happen. And to be honest, my dad didn't come from a lot of money. He lived on a farm. So I have no idea how he even figured this out. He was an immigrant from Ireland, moved when he was 20 to Toronto, had nine euros to his pocket. Like he was that entrepreneur that did very well um, Mm -hmm. with obviously a lot of challenges. And so to like think he got married at the age of 25 and at 26, he did this. And my mom actually didn't even know all of this. So this man shows up and it was like, this is your husband's all sorted. And we're like, what? And so that really kind of opened my eyes because I was 26 when I lost him. And I'm like, at that age, my dad had everything in order from a financial standpoint. And I realized how we didn't have to stress about that. Like the grief itself was so hard. I was so gutted knowing what other families might go through for them Mm -hmm. not having that financial uh, relief. And so I'm like, I want to do this now. I want to be able to set up you know, my future family exactly the way that he should, because at the end of the day, we're all going to die. Like, and we, some of us avoid the topic, but I'm like, why? Taxes and death are guaranteed. We plan everything else in our life from, you know, trying to achieve these goals, buy a house, whatever. Why is planning your death or solidifying a will not one of them that's emphasized enough in today's culture? So Mm, since that, that's helped me align all my admin stuff. I'm still finalizing a few things, but I'm pretty close to done. Yeah. And I similarly, and I know you've listened to a couple of episodes, but that's something that I feel like very, very strongly about. And people would be like, what can I do for you? I'd be like, please talk to your parents about where their will is. And they were like, what? So yeah, <laughs> because it's such an important conversation and people like, I understand why don't want to have it. But have, did you find that it changed a conversation with your mom or it sparked conversations with your mom that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise as regarding to like what her wishes were? Yeah, absolutely. I was just actually at home visiting my family and she showed me where all the documents are. My siblings already know the internet and technically they will have to oversee it. Again, I live in a different province, but I know where it is. She hasn't told us the ins and outs of the will, but we have obviously an idea of what is divided up amongst us so we definitely talk about it mm-hmm. not at, she won't go out of her way to talk about the details but she's sorted it's in this you know area of the house you're good to go and she knows that I'm working on it but my dad honestly was the administrator of the family so it's taken her three years to that was a major shift for her I think just as parents when you're in a relationship you kind of realize like they do have divided tasks and I think for her she was like oh my god she's like your father did I think a lot more than what she had you know, looked at it. And and then she had to start taking on some new assignments, not being the will. And she was quite overwhelmed at first. And but she's like, but this has to be done. And she's like, I was fortunate your father did take a lead. Um, but she's like, now I have to take the lead, even though it's like 36 years after the fact. So that was a huge change for her work. But from that conversation, I find that our relationship too has grown immensely. I always had a good relationship with my mom, but my dad was my best friend. I tell people he was my one-stop person you know you just say the the one-stop shop he's my one-stop person for everything so with my mom not to say that she would feel that but we definitely I call her every night we have all these conversations we've actually started writing like notes on our phone where I'm asking her questions I don't know if you've gone through this but I'm going through this fear stage of 
forgetting to ask her a question, even though I know it's impossible to ask them all the questions that we want in the world. But it's like, I'll randomly text her and be like, what did your mother do at this age? And she'll just like answer it. It's interesting as we start to strip the conversation because she's like, I wish I did this with my mother. She's like, I wish I asked these questions. And I'm now learning why I am the person I am. We obviously know you inherit so many traits from your parents, but then I'm realizing my grandmother and I didn't realize how awful her life was. And so my mom is like, this is important. So mom, I don't know what you did from the age of like zero to 32. Like who were you as a person, you know, because they're just my parents were very much all about us, which is amazing. But from that relationship, the dialogue has, has grown immensely. And we just really, really deep conversations and wanting to know her advice, her insight, her background. And to be honest, I made a lot of assumptions of my mom. Like I just presumed she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom because that's what she was. But that wasn't the case. So I definitely encourage anyone who may not have the closest relationship with them, even just asking one little question can really mm-hmm. start such, you know, an in-depth, and really open the relationship with just an immense amount of love that maybe you didn't feel like you had before. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. Because I think one of the things that like, struck me the most is when my dad was in hospice, and he was on painkillers, I was trying to ask him questions about I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but about my grandfather was a Broadway producer, and my dad worked for him. And so I was asking him all of these questions or trying to. And he kept getting it wrong and kept getting frustrated because his painkillers were so strong. And he was like, we can't do this right now. And I just had this moment of like, wow, all of these stories are dying. And I would so encourage any listeners to, and it's like a good quarantine project of like asking your parents <laughs> about like, their, and just video, and it can be like casual. It doesn't need to be like we're sitting down for five hours, but to just like video or voice record or whatever just take like physical notes but I would say and I'd be interested your thought too but something I've talked with a lot of people about is you end up missing their voice and so if you can record it why would you not and we all have recording on our phone but I think that that's something really important that people don't realize the importance of until it's too late and so I'm having a similar thing with you of where I'm asking my mom more questions like that. I think unfortunately we were from the same boat and I encourage it too. And it's interesting when I start bringing this up with girlfriends who still have their parents that there's like apps and books you can even create from these questions that you ask your parents. And I'm like, what? Cause my girlfriend's like, well, what type of questions do you ask her? And so I'm like spilling out a million and she's like, well, that's good. But she's like to kind of craft a story. I forget, like I'll have to send it to you, but like it literally guides you every single week what questions to ask your parents. And then within a full year, it literally creates a story in itself. So then you can kind of get a better idea. You know, it kind of all comes together, which I'm like, oh, that's really, really smart. Because for me, my mom and I are just writing in notes. I'm like, it'd be crafty to kind of actually put it in some type of like booklet, which apparently this organization has created. So there's a lot of things out there. And again, it's just something people don't think of, I guess. Yeah. And you like don't realize until after you lose someone that you're like, oh, you you can't ask them again. So I'm totally with you. Um, It sounds like you've gotten a lot closer with your mom since your father passed away. But is there anything specific that surprised you about how your relationship with your mom changed after your dad died? I think I was just so fortunate that our relationship was good, but it got even stronger because it's very scary when you lose. Like, I know how fortunate I was to have amazing parents and especially to have a father and to lose 
my one-stop person, I went into, oh my God, how am I going to find someone else? And I'm like, I can't, no one's ever going to replace him. And when I started going to grief counseling, because again, I'm that type of person, like my father, I got to figure this out. I got, there's so many resources out there. We're going to leverage it. We're going to learn from others. And the lady said, she, you went from your father. She's like, but that doesn't mean to say you can't get whatever he offered you in other people. So now I have six, eight people in my life that I kind of go to for different things rather than, yes, it was very convenient to have that one person, that one number to call, that being my dad for answers of everything. And now, yes, I have to vet it through more people, but I'm so fortunate and grateful that I have that. And for my mom, I think for a while, I just thought she can kind of take that over. And then I also have an older brother and I had too many expectations of him. Um, But I realized that as much as it pains me to live my life without my father, I still believe that everything does happen for a reason. And I still believe that we do have to unfortunately struggle in life for us to actually grow as humans. I mean, that's just a part of life and it opens up these other opportunities that you may never have thought of. And for me, it's realized that I was so emotionally dependent on him that all he wanted me was to be independent. And I've, I've gotten to that stage. So he succeeded as a father in addition to so many things. And with my mom, I've realized now in my life, I've actually, you know, thinking, of course I would always need them. But I'm like, I really need my mom now at this stage. Like I'm now in my thirties and talking about, motherhood and like marriage I don't know if I would actually get all that stuff from my father if you know what I'm saying you definitely have the people in your life at the times that you need it and yes I'm sure obviously my dad would still help excel my life and offer so much goodness but for my mom I just find she's actually playing even a larger role as I'm in this stage of my life even though she's obviously been amazing to me but it just don't know how to articulate perfectly I think I, I just I desperately need her in this life because I I'm just setting so many different changes. And I think as a mother, I'm just fortunate mother-daughter. You can kind of relate a little bit better at that level, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. You said, and you talked about earlier, and then you just said that you need struggle in order to grow. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're building and your business and what kind of services you provide, what kind of education that you provide? Because as you said, this is not something people think about a lot. And like, I never thought about this. Perfect candidate to hear about what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks, Brooke. Yeah, it, it's interesting when things kind of happen. I actually left the company I was with at the end of 2017. So I lost my dad in May 2017. Obviously, like, what am I doing with life? I could literally die tomorrow. If, is my career what I'm doing? Am I happy? I was already in the industrial space, and that's something, obviously, my dad being a landscaper was in. My brother's in it. Ironically enough, I then started working with a safety company. So I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of how my passion's starting to fuel even more. And ironically, I was already introduced to workplace safety two years before his incident and was with an organization volunteering for them. But my dad always said, he's like, you're going to be an entrepreneur one day. I'm like, dad, what would I do? And he's like, I don't know, you'll figure it out. And my brother's an entrepreneur and my sister's a nurse. And so after, well, I guess, yeah, it was May. It was his anniversary. I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to create my own platform. I'm going to call it CB Safety, which is his initials. And I'm going to start to share my story more. I was sharing it with an organization who was giving me an incredible opportunity, but I was kind of waiting, like they were kind of leading the way. Whereas I'm like, I feel like I can kind of lead the way as well, given my network and kind of where I want to go. So like I mentioned in the beginning, my motto is that the next generation should be safer than the one before. 
I'm really in preliminary stages. I've been given opportunities to partner with other safety organizations to start having these conversations and sharing my story. Because it's one thing to tell someone, go wear a harness, go wear your PPE, go follow these protocols. And some people are still doing it. But with me, with my dad, like he did go above and beyond his measures, but he still, unfortunately, his anchors did fail on him. His behaviors, his actions did technically result in some type of harming him, even though it appears he did everything. So it's really kind of gotten embedded in with me. I want to direct my conversation to leaders because I find as him as a leader, he overlooked his own safety in some capacity, even though he physically was doing the right things. Mm -hmm. He chose to be in that harness. He didn't make another employee do it. So it always makes me question like, "Mm, I think you did know you were a little bit at risk there. In short, I've kind of just started an Instagram and LinkedIn page and sharing some content more obviously my story. And I'm hoping that, you know, I'll be able to grow with other collaborations and sharing my story and kind of seeing where it goes and hopefully maybe creating some programs. But the biggest thing is starting to that conversation. Like my biggest thing is we learn through habits. And I feel with children, you know, they learn how to, you know, cross the street, look left and right. They know how to put a safety belt on, but, you know, they go through school to learn those essential tools to eventually, you know, apply them in the workforce. Why is safety not talked more about? And yes, you get into trades and they have, you know, safety courses, which I've spoken at, but anything you do in life, you know, um, even driving to, to work, that culture of safety needs to be heightened a lot more because the man, the fatalities that are happening every single day should not be happening. And mm-hmm. I keep ma- meeting more and more daughters following my father's death and, and more and sons and more parents that are losing their loved one. And uh, it just has to stop. Um, we can't stop them all, but I just think if I can at least help one, then that's kind of do my job. So it just starts with sharing that story and I'm working with others to expand it. That's so amazing. Is your message to people and the types of programs and the story you're sharing, is it like tactical of this is what safety looks like for your industry or is it more just like general awareness that people need to be thinking through these plans or both? Yeah. Right now, it's general awareness, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And with the organization I was partnered to, like, they are the ones that do have services to help those that have been grieving and want to meet the community of other people. Because, I mean, you know, obviously, firsthand, you lose someone and sometimes you feel like you're kind of all alone. And then you realize there is a community out there where you can start to relate on different stories, but same stories. And so directing them to that, I mean, I just don't have that bandwidth right now to establish that. But it more starting with the awareness and just from the people who I've been working with, there might be some programs that I can support from a government standpoint. So just wait and see, just follow me and you'll see where I'm up to next. <laughs> Amazing. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience? Anything else that we didn't cover? But just thanking you for an opportunity to start sharing, you know, in terms of how I've been impacted by grief when it comes to workplace fatality And even though I know you said yours, you know, you kind of saw coming and mine was sudden. I think at the end of the day, we both lost a loved one. I've had, you know, friends that unfortunately have been in the same situation as you. And I really don't think we can compare. The pain is the pain and we can't, it can't go away. So, but yeah, in terms of you giving me this opportunity, I can't thank you enough, Brooke. And I just hope people start having conversations with their loved ones in terms of the safety of their own job and just be factoring that in. I mean, we all got to do a job at the end of the day but we all have to make it home safe. So if people can just start to think of that throughout their day as they work, even if it's a desk job, I don't care. You got to make it home safely to your family. So just be mindful of that as, as you, you know, make it through your working day. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Do you want to tell people where to find you online? 
Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Instagram, it's c.b.safety. And on LinkedIn, it's just cbsafety. My name is Ashleen Boyd. You can also find me through that as well and would love for you to, you know, personally message me if you have any questions um, and follow my content. But I appreciate the support here today, Brooke, for uh, helping me elevate the conversation about the importance of workplace safety. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important. Thank you so much um, for being here today. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, You can find us online at www.thegriefcoach.co and on social at the underscore grief coach. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a review on Apple podcasts. It helps other people who are looking for this type of content find it. Thanks so much. Talk to you next week.